Welcome back to the New York 20. I'm Tom. And I'm John. What's mm-hmm. going on, guys? Oh, sorry about that. I jumped yeah. you a little bit. Yeah, no, it's all right. Uh, we've had a little bit of a nice, nice summer break. We're going to have another one coming up right after this. Yeah, this is our first podcast in a couple weeks due to some scheduling stuff. And uh, it will be our last podcast for a couple weeks due to some more scheduling stuff. So this is like our all-star break. Yeah, really. yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> uh, that's a perfect segue. You know? um, who would have thought that the first thing we'll talk about is the all-star game? Right? Doesn't that make a lot of sense? I guess. I mean, uh, listen, it just happens, so why not? Yeah, City Field, it's like two days after the All-Star game, and there's absolutely nothing going on. This is that real dead period in sports. I was just in the car, I was, I was driving in, and the conversation they were having on the radio was, who was a better quarterback, Eli Manning or Peyton Manning? Like, that's, that's what we're talking about. Yeah. There's nothing. To no. Talk. Like, why is that even a conversation? It's not. It's so irrelevant. I mean, listen, that's what we do in sports. We yeah. compare things and critique stuff, but, like... That's not, like, that's not happening right now. No. no. Eli and Peyton on July, what is it, 18th? That's yeah. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. No. No. Plus, Peyton, obviously, you know, just... Career, you know, yeah. they rattle up the stats, 4,000 yards, 13 times. Eli's done it three. You know, he's won 13 games every year of his freaking career. It's Peyton. Anyway, we'll move past that because nobody really cares about that at all. No. Let's talk about the All-Star game. Why not? Matt Harvey. Your boy. Yep. I hate him. <laughs> I was on board. You just you just hate him because he hit Cano. Yep. That's what happened. Top of the first inning. I was, I was a Harvey <laughs> fan until the top of the first inning. Uh, Trying no. to end our season. No, come on. Cano will be fine. He did hit him pretty hard, though. It was like a 97-mile-an-hour yeah. fastball like in the knee. Like, in the knee. <laughs> you think it was on purpose? We could st- I wasn't going to start with that. We could start with I'm that. I'm starting there. Uh, I mean, I don't think so. I think he was probably amped up and nervous, and you noticed after that he really settled down and kind of pitched yeah. as you would expect him to. But I don't care. That's irrelevant. He hit my <laughs> only guy. Everybody else is hurt. The only guy we have yeah. who can hit you know more than 300 maybe is Cano. Yeah. And, yeah, nail him in the knee, take him out of the game. Every Yankee fan goes and, and just, like, turns the game off. There was a there was a moment of like, <gasps> yeah. <laughs> like oh snap, yeah. that just happened. Oh my god. Uh, no, I, I, I'll agree with you. I, I don't think that it was on purpose. Oh. I, I think what really um, sealed Cano's fate was the uh, the leadoff double by Mike Trout on the first pitch that he threw. You know, it, it was paint. I mean, he beat yeah. him if you watched it. Yeah. He beat him on the outside, but it looked like Trout was looking for the fastball and was late on it, but just got just it, got you know, the inside bag. the first ba- first base bag. And um, I think Harvey was like, okay, let me work inside. <laughs> I'm going to establish the inside yeah. part of me. <laughs> that's, that's the next part of the plate I have to hit. That's it, yeah. Kneecap shattering kind of yeah. blow, 97. But, uh, yeah, no, uh, other than that, like you said, Harvey settled down right away, pitched his usual two innings in the All-Star game that, that starters normally do. Um, three Ks, gave up that hit, yeah. you know, to, to Trout and the uh, the plunking to Cano, obviously only two base runners. But uh, he looked good. Yeah, you know, he looks like Harvey and, uh, you know, deserved the nod, I guess. Um, yeah, as if he needed to gain more curry, you know, curry more favor with the Met fans. He pitched two shutout innings the All-Star game, first All-Star start, you know. And, you know, and it's at City Field. And at City Field and hit a Yankee. Like, every <laughs> fan had to love that. So, That's true. Um, he's That's quickly true. become, I'm sure, everybody's favorite player. Uh, I don't know. I, I think you posted it, too. I saw the uh, video from Jimmy Fallon, which is hysterical. Oh, that is the greatest <laughs> thing I've ever seen. Out, was it outside the Javits Center he was staying in? Or, you know? I don't know where he was. They didn't mention it, and he I couldn't tell. In the city. Yeah. I saw all the jerseys, so I figured it might have been around that baseball expo or whatever. Probably. Um, but for those who didn't see it, Matt Harvey was standing asking fans about Matt Harvey. 
and people wearing Mets shirts and hats and like a Matt Harvey jersey. You know, what do you like? Who's your favorite player on the Mets? Somebody would say Matt Harvey, and he'd be like, "Oh yeah, what do you like about him?" And yeah. they're completely <laughs> not knowing who he is because he yeah. is such a new star. He's kind of like a nondescript face. You know, he hasn't been on a lot of things yet. Um, you know, that ESPN the body magazine yeah. issue like got well, his him. body's all over the place yeah. now but yeah um but that was a lot of fun so if you didn't see it check it out uh, yeah you really should definitely check that out it's on youtube video. you can find it uh credited you know jimmy fallon and those guys it was a really really great job but uh yeah listen i i gotta say i thought it was hilarious but i gotta get on some of those people listen i know they edited it out i'm sure right. there was a lot of people that did recognize harvey and and whatnot but if you're wearing a matt harvey jersey <laughs> You gotta know what he looks like. And I get yeah. it that it's, like, out of context. You know, he doesn't have a hat on. He's not pitching. I, you're used to seeing athletes and, and, you know, what any kind of ball player, like, in their element. Yeah. So you want to see a baseball player in a baseball hat. I get that kind of, sure. you know, it's, like, that's what makes you put two and two together. You don't expect Matt Harvey to have a Jimmy Fallon, you know, microphone. Yeah. But come on. I mean, he's standing next to you. Then for some of them, he's got his baseball card and the Mets <laughs> hat on. And he's like holding it as he's asking the questions and people aren't picking up on it. It was yeah. it was brilliant. But yeah, good job uh, all around on that. But you, come on. If you're wearing a Harvey jersey, you got to know what the guy looks like in the face. It's not football where, you know, there's a, a million players and they're wearing helmets and you can't tell sometimes. Yeah, I don't think anybody knows what Jeff Cumberland looks like. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. It's, yeah. And even some of the bigger stars. Like, obviously, you're picking out Brady, but, like, I yeah. don't think, you know, it lives, uh, Sebastian Janikowski could walk past me yeah. and I would have no idea it was him. Yeah, that's a great point. So, that's, <laughs> you know, a, a lot of guys aren't going to get away with that. And Matt Harvey, enjoy it while you can, because uh, you got another 10 minutes yeah. of being anonymous in this city. Yeah. Did you see that uh, that uh, little interview he did with, I think it was like uh, Men's Health or Men's yeah. Journal or something like that? And he basically said how, like, he, the, the athlete that he looks up to the most is Jeter, obviously. Right. You know, but not just for the on-field success and all the <laughs> winning and the leadership, but also because he was the type of guy who's able to basically go out out and date all these high-profile women and yeah. have this life, but you never hear about it. Yep. You know, he's like, he's meeting he's them the somewhere, best. and you don't, you know, he's, he's like... absolutely the best. <laughs> it's basically what he said. He basically said he wants Jeter's life, which, uh, you know what? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I hope he has, I hope he has Jeter's career, you yeah. know, so, and with Jeter's career will come Jeter's life, so... <laughs> yeah, that's a great point, and, and, like, I always have a toast to Derek Jeter. If I see some of my buddies from high school, you know, we'll go and, and say, you know, it's Derek Jeter as we take a drink, because the guy is just amazing, right? Made all the money in the world, won a ton of World Series, the biggest market, his dream team and all that, and has been with every one of Maxim's Hot 100 girls every year, all the time. Uh, you know, like Jessica Alba, all these women, and never had an issue. No, never without pregnant, it, never got a drug issue, never had like anything. One hundred percent, nothing. One hundred percent, without without becoming a tabloid story, which yeah. which speaks volumes to you know his character. Apparently, yeah. and you with know, the post that's that's what they do. You yeah. know, they go and take pictures of you doing something stupid, and you know that's the end. That's that's all of your reputation. Absolutely, and so. we'll get we'll get back to Jeter in a minute, but <laughs> uh, let's jump to the uh, to the All Star game. Uh, back to it rather, and yeah. uh, so the AL wins. 3 nothing shutout. It was a tidy yep. game. It was a boring game. Yep. I, um, I tuned out a little bit. but Yeah. I mean, we're not going to waste your time trying to break down what happened at the All-Star game. Yep. Um, I will say that uh, it's a joke that the game counts. It's ridiculous. Let them let them have an exhibition. Let Yasiel Puig play. Let the guys yeah. run on the field. Who cares? Nobody, nobody cares about this game. I agree. And it's it's obvious that, you know, the way the game is, is played and managed. Like, listen... 
players always want to win. Yeah. The guys want to win. The managers want to manage to win the game, like, within reason. They're not sitting out there like, ah, let's, you know, put David Ortiz in center field. (laughs) Like, nobody's doing anything crazy. I would watch that. You know what? That's actually not a bad idea. (laughs) But, like, you know, but nobody's doing anything totally ridiculous. You know, it's not... You know, Pete Rose barreling over the catcher and ruining his career. It's not that anymore. But guys change leagues so often now. There's not the National League, American League pride. It's watered down because no matter where you play, there's DH and there's, you know, extra guys on the roster and all that stuff. It's an exhibition. Let it be for the fans. Let it be a spectacle. And you know what? Just make it so that the game can't end in a tie. Yeah. It doesn't mean it has to be worth something. It's, it's ridiculous. It's easy. Me. I mean, back in the day, it used to be the opportunity for everybody to tune in and see all of the best players that you maybe can't see all year. You know, if you live in Kansas City, right. you're getting the Royals games, and that's it. And when the Yankees come to town, maybe you see Mickey Mantle once, and that's that's the end of it. Right. You don't see any National League guys that, in, you know, that that's your whole season. This was everybody plays in one spot. Now, with the media, with interleague, with trades, with all that, you see everybody all the time. MLB packages, stuff like that. So now it's just a chance to have some fun with these guys and let Mm -hmm. them go play. And there's such an easy way to handle the whole, you know, who gets home field. It's what everybody else does, who has the best record. Yeah. You know, in the NHL and the NBA, it's not a question. You have the better record, you have home ice, you have home court. Um, there's no reason for it to be like this. If a team wins 130 games, they should have home field, not, you know, not because somebody blew a save on a team that finished in last place in the All-Star game. Yeah, and he was like the only guy on that team because yeah. they have to pick at least one player from every team, so he's like some middle relief pitcher yeah, that like, blows the hold. From, from the Astros, yeah. you know, Jose Veras goes in. <laughs> I agree. You know what? And their, their biggest point against uh, um, best record getting home field advantage in the World Series for all this whole time was that the the opponents aren't the same. There right. was no similar opponent, so it was hard yeah, to judge. Yeah. You know what? I think that's nonsense also, but now that we have interleague play every day, yeah, all year, there's no reason to not do that. You have to. And even if they went back to the old system, was which was just simply alternating yeah. every year who got home, which I think is still crazy, I but it's better than dumb, this. But definitely better, yeah. Right? I mean... I hated the alternating every year because when your team is in the World Series every year like the Yankees were, it didn't make any sense to have the best record and all that. And this is me just gloating, simply talking about how I got to see my <laughs> team win a bunch of World Series. But, you know, it's, it's such a logical thing. And if you want to talk about competition and all that, winning 105 games is winning 105 games. And if you tell me that the, the Cardinals playing the Yankees in the World Series, the Cardinals had an easier schedule, then whatever. They still won more games. I don't care. Right. You know, and if I'm a better team, I'm going to win anyway. But that's a good way to settle home field advantage. I think the so. The game doesn't mean anything. It's, no. It's ridiculous. So it goes and takes something like, hey, let's just have Rivera pitch the ninth inning into this whole, whoa, he's got to get the save, we've got to get him in. And, you know, I think it's another thing to talk about is how that happened in the eighth inning. Yeah. I, you know what? I, I, I'm done breaking down the game. If you are, we can move yeah. right to that now because yeah, yeah, yeah. that's, that's a hot button issue. Obviously, you know, it was a big New York uh, uh, moment. Having the game at City, having Harvey start, David Wright obviously started, you know, at third base, and I think he went one for three with a single. Um, but then there was the Rivera moment, which I think all parties involved handled very, you know, classily. Whatever you yeah. want, they, they did a great job. Um, and uh, you know, they played into Sandman for him at City that Field, was cool. which was that cool. That was really cool. Um, the managers from both teams held everybody back in the dugout to let Rivera walk out onto an empty field by himself, which was really great. Yeah. But it happened in the bottom of the eighth inning. Yeah. 
why? It. I mean, it was tough. You know, I, I get, I get a little bit where Leland's coming from. Right? Obviously, the worst thing that could happen is Joe Nathan comes into the game in the eighth, gives up a couple of hits, gives up a home run, and you know, now they're losing. Now the National League is up four three going into the top of the ninth. Right. And Rivera doesn't play at all, and that's that's a travesty, right? That can't happen. Right. But when it got to three nothing, in the top of the inning, you have a pretty decent lead. You know, two nothing and three nothing are very different in baseball. It's not a right. bloop and a blast anymore. Right. You know, you can go and you can match and you can try to get out of that inning. Plus, there's a hundred people like that exactly. they can bring in to pitch. You can bring in anybody yeah. and, and work your way out of that inning. You know, and look, it's the All Star game. Guys will hit and maybe maybe runs will be scored, but. Push comes to shove, and they're, they're going to scoring runs, then bring Rivera into the middle of the eighth inning. You know, if you think it's going to go that way, if you've already given up the lead, they'll at least let them come on the field and pitch at that point. There's nothing saying you can't. Right. And I get it. It wouldn't be the moment that it was with him starting a clean inning and all yeah. that stuff. But the important part was getting him in the game. Yeah. And having him be Rivera, having him be in the moment. And you know what? What better moment than to have him come in... You know, two runners on in the eighth and get out of it, then send them back out for the ninth. Yeah. You know, he doesn't have to get a, a, a four out save, or you know, if if the National League had taken the lead, he doesn't have to, you know, try to do whatever, crazy, that, yeah. whatever, whatever happens. But, but you know what? Send them back out there if the yeah. game is tied, or if the you know the AL still has the lead, and then he can have his little moment as he comes out. It wouldn't be the entrance to the game, but you can still simulate everything else. Yeah. You know? You can play the music again. Like, nobody cares. That's what I'm saying. It's for the fans. It's for Rivera. Nobody cares if you're going to introduce the guy again to an you know, and have hold all the guys off the field. And You could have did the whole thing. Yeah. So I agree with you. I get the point of not sending him out there. Um, you know, because who knows what could happen. But Leland overthought himself, you know. He, Overmanaged, he outmanaged, yeah. you know, his, his own like brain in that. And Joe Nathan even said, like, I didn't think I was going in for the ninth inning. Like, that's something you got to communicate to these guys too. Yeah. You know, like, it, I think it was poorly handled on his part. Obviously, Rivera is the most classy player you're ever going to run into. Will not right. say a bad word about it, and it's going to be swept under the rug. Nobody's even going to remember that. You know, at the end of the day, they're going to remember him standing on the field by himself, right, with the fans going nuts, the players giving a standing ovation outside the dugouts. Um, and yeah. the music blasting the way it was. That's what's going to be the, the image. So that's yeah. really the important part. But still, I think it would have been even a little bit cooler if he notched another All-Star Game save. I think he's got like three in his career that would have been four or four, and that would be five. Yeah. Like, let him let him go do it, you know? Yeah, I, I agree with you totally on that. I will say that I've I bumped into a few Yankee fans that, like, you know, felt slighted by it and thought that, like, you know... Leland was doing it to get a rise out of that. But that's not the case. No, know. it's not that. I mean, Leland's... If, if that's what his motivation is, then he needs to, to kind of get a life. Like, that, that yeah. shouldn't matter at all. And it's Jim Lee. I mean, come on. There's no way. The he's, guy doesn't need that. He's more concerned about his next cigarette than anything else. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, man. beyond that, you know, the rest of the week, relatively fun. You know, I guess it was cool yeah. seeing all the stuff going on in the city. I don't think... I mean, it's New York, right? We don't need gimmicks to be excited about things, you know? I could agree with that. I was as excited for this All-Star game as I've been for any other All-Star game in my adult life. You know, obviously as a kid you're into it more, and again, you know, the stipulations have changed a little bit as we've grown up. We've kind of seen some of the things happen that we talked about earlier, but... Yeah, I mean, it was cool having, like, those apples around the city and stuff yeah. like that, bump into, into those when so you didn't know. by work, that was cool. Yeah, yeah but, uh, you know, listen, I'm happy it was here. I didn't go to the game, you didn't go to the game, because they yeah. made it completely impossible. It was like, yeah. to do it. No, that's ridiculous. Um, 
but yeah, it's just ho hum. It, it's it's kind of boring. It's a kind of boring event. It yeah. starts off with a lot of juice. It's great that it's here. It's great with Harvey starting once that was announced. The two yeah. innings that he was in there were awesome. Watching him face, you know, uh, Trout, Cano, Cabrera, and then Davis and Batista and Ortiz. Like that's that's, that's nice. Good you know, it's like to go through and to manage that without giving anything up. Exactly. Yeah. So that was big. The Rivera moment, obviously, very big. You like that stuff when the game starts. You know, and even the beginning of the home run derby. You know, yeah. you got Wright, you got Cano, you got the stuff going on. Who's going to hit home runs in City Field? What's it going to be like? A few people put on a show. Spanish, apparently. Yeah. He's going to hit home runs in City Field. Exactly. Can we sign him up? When is yeah. he a free agent? I don't know. I wish we could sign him. <laughs> um... But yeah, you know, it's compelling at first, but it's too long. Yeah. You know, the home run derby is too long. It's, it's, I don't know. I think it's great for a place like Kansas City, where there's, like, nothing going on there. And, yeah. And, you know, there's not a lot to get pumped for during the season with your team, necessarily. Right. You got the Yankees, you got the Mets. As far-fetched as they're going to be, they're, they're going to be hoping to win and, and compete and try to right. trade and, you know, go for it. It's always the talk of the town anyway, so baseball is always in focus. You know, right, I mean, well, we're places. a huge baseball town. I yeah. mean, for all the sports that we have here, it's baseball first and foremost, really. Yeah. We talk about it 365 days a year. It never yeah. takes a break here. So, yeah, I don't think we really need it. It's not like having the Super Bowl here, which we will soon. Yeah, that'll be cool. But that's a, it's the Super Bowl. Yeah. You know, having the World Series here is a big deal if your team is playing in it. You know what I mean? Obviously, that's yeah. a huge deal. So this is like, eh. But again, it goes to what it is, and it's just an exhibition. It's, yeah. it's guys playing for fun who are really good at their job, and, you know, you get to see them play. That's, that's yeah. all it is. Um, but now we, we move past it, right? That's that's the all-star break. That's the first half, the nominal yeah. first half of the year anyway. Mm-hmm. We're about, you know, a couple of weeks beyond the first half, technically. Right. but Seventy-some-odd um, games for most teams yeah. left. Yeah. So now we figure out what you know what's going to happen from here on out, and, you know, Yankees are... Dealing with their injuries, as they have been. All year. Mets are dealing with developing, so, you know, which do you want to start with? You tell me. Uh, we can start with the Yankees, because it's right. a bigger deal. Let's start with the Yankees. Yeah, bigger and, names. Yeah, and more <laughs> chance of playoffs, right, in theory? Yeah, yeah. I will concede that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's shocking, right? All right, yeah. Um, so, first and foremost, the thing that I want to start with, the thing that drove me crazy was the way the Yankees handled Derek Jeter's return from injury, right? Okay. And just about every time that this happened now this year. Broke his ankle at the end of last season during the playoffs. Was out. They said he's going to be out until spring training, and hopefully he'll be ready for opening day. Derek Jeter is a competitor. He pushes himself. He goes and gets himself ready and, and accelerates his timetable a little bit. You mm-hmm. know, He goes and pushes himself a little too quickly, re-breaks his ankle. Out again. Right. And now he's missing the first half of the season due to that injury. You give it to him, right? He's Derek Jeter. He says he's fine. He's always been fine. You let him do his thing. He's fine. He goes now and is during doing his rehab again, about to come back again, pushes it forward to have a couple of games in the minor leagues where he wasn't effective. Right. Pushes and says, no, I'm ready to go, I'm ready to go. And then the first game, he injures himself again. From a thing, it's a conditioning injury. A quad, like, that's him just yeah. not being conditioned the right way. Right. If he had gone and just sat out the rest of the week, sat out through the All-Star game, and went to play tomorrow in Boston, he would have been fine. He would have missed an extra four games and would have been more fully prepared to play. I can agree with that. 
But again, they kowtowed to Jeter. They said, all right, we'll let you come back. And now they don't know if he's going to be ready. He might have another DL stint in front of him. Right. So is now this another two weeks? Is this now another month we're right. going to miss our shortstop? Like, it's ridiculous. So I get it, you know, but you have to protect the player from himself. Mm-hmm. And even if it's Derek Jeter, if he says he's ready, you have to have your trainer say that he's ready. Right. And even if he's ready, make sure he's ready. <laughs> Give him an extra week in the minor leagues just because. Especially safe. if it's the All-Star break. Yeah. Like, say, I don't care. You're not coming back till till Friday at, right. in Boston. That's it, no matter what. And obviously being Derek Jeter, being the captain has currency. Sure. You know, but like you said, you got to protect the players from themselves, even if it is Jeter. And the first one, the first injury that happened back in spring training, kind of a freak thing. Yeah, he was cleared medically. Turns out the compound fracture, whatever it was, stress yeah. fracture that happened because of the other one, but they're not sure and blah blah blah. blah. Yeah. Kind of freaky. You know, if he never suffered the first injury, he probably wouldn't sure. have suffered this one. But who knows? Anyway. Yep. Um, but this one, like you said, it comes down to conditioning. And when you have a nice little window here of four days off in the middle of the season, it's built in, why not take advantage of it? Yeah. Why not hold him back till after the fact? And, you know, I don't buy it that the Hafner injury and the Gardner plunking had stuff to do with it. I think they used that as a convenient excuse because Hafner didn't wind up on the DL. Maybe he needed a day. Yeah. And they needed a DH. Fine. That's why you have other guys on the roster. And and Gardner was playing, too, like the next day. It so shouldn't matter. Like, even if that's the case, I don't care. You need this guy healthy for the long run. Right. You can't use him to stopgap one game that you're probably going to lose anyway because your lineup has been terrible all season. Right. It hasn't stopped you before. If this was a major issue, then why not sign a bat in the offseason, not let Abanias walk and go and, and run with Hafner and expect him to go and recapture magic somehow? That's true. If this is a concern, you could have constructed the roster differently. But as it stands... You have to go and play the cards you're dealt. Let Derek Jeter get healthy before you force him back into the lineup. Yeah, or let him force himself back into the lineup, yeah. which is probably more of what actually happened. Yeah. How about let him hit 400 down in Double A before you call him up? You yeah. Know, he didn't have a hit until yeah. he got called up, and he got a infield single that he busted it with. Yeah. And that, listen, all the credit in the world to Derek Jeter. He got hurt by hustling. Yeah. I wish guys got hurt by hustling. Robinson Cano is never going to get hurt by hustling. <laughs> So that's fine, but this is on the staff. You know, their job is to go and manage their players to put them in a position to succeed, and the Yankees didn't do that with Jeter. And yeah. It's it's now hurting the team more and more and more, and mm-hmm. it's getting late. Yeah. It's getting late early this year. You know, so it's kind of borrow from Yogi Berra. We're not used to being in a position like this where there's four teams that can make the playoffs in our division, and we're the fourth out of those four. Mm-hmm. There's a negative run differential. They've allowed more runs than they've scored despite their great pitching. And it's you're not going to win like that historically obviously not no and I I think even more so when you were talking about his rehab even more so than getting hits and and what he did down there on the field he didn't do any of the benchmarks that they were waiting for him to do they wanted him to play nine innings in the field at shortstop back-to-back days yep he didn't even play nine innings uh, on the field at shortstop in one game when they called him up it's crazy so, And you don't need a DH. You don't need Jeter as your DH. You're not calling him up saying, you know what, you come up early and for the next two weeks you'll play shortstop maybe two days a week. You'll DH the rest. He doesn't have value there. No. I mean, listen, their DH spot has been bad since, you know, maybe the first month and a half of the season. Yeah. But... You need them to play short. Their shortstops haven't been great. They got Luis Cruz and Reed Brignac and these guys out I there. I think they're made up. I don't, I don't think yeah. they're actually people. I mean, so you need Jeter to be Jeter at shortstop. You know, whether his future is at shortstop for the Yankees next year, two years, three years from now, who Whatever. knows? Yeah. But this year, he better be your shortstop. Yeah. 
Which brings us to the next guy, A-Rod. Oh. All right. I know he's crazy, but, you know, if Jeter's going to be your shortstop this year, you need A-Rod to be your third baseman this year. Well, they invested $12 million in Kevin Euclid, and he played 25 games, so that that worked out really well. Um, This is... Good move to make, though. You can't kill them on that. I mean, he had had been healthy. Eh, Well, not really, you know, a little bit. Was he on the uptick, though? I feel like he was... He had a couple of injury-plagued years and then looked like he had kind of turned that around. He was quote-unquote healthy. Well, he was healthy when they signed him, right? Right. So you give him that. And they say he passed the physical and good for him. But he had been hurt like the three years prior, and that's why the Red Sox cut him loose and all that. But that aside, forget Euclid. He's the non-factor, and I'm glad he's somebody that I don't have to pretend to like. (laughs) We have A-Rod, and I still have to pretend to like him, right? Uh... For a long time, oh still. Oh, my God. So, <laughs> the whole suspension thing is, is a quick aside, right? The, the biogenesis topic is a huge topic within baseball. The short story for that right now is that anybody who is um, convicted, say, or, or suspended by baseball, uh, the Players Association has sort of leaked that it wouldn't take effect until 2014 anyway. Right. Um, based upon the appeals process, based upon how everything is sort of set up. So, I'm assuming there's communication going on there. That anybody that something happened to them, if baseball wants to announce they're suspended... It's not going to impact the rest of the season. So we can table that discussion for now for another time when it's a little bit lighter. But And it's just the, it's a numbers game, really. Yeah. Because if you got 25 guys and they're all going to appeal because yeah. none of them failed the test, there's no way between now and the end of the season you're getting these guys in, you're appealing. the. There's just yeah. no way. So Could you imagine being like the Yankees and Rangers fighting out for a wild card? And A-Rod's appeal isn't heard until the end of September, but Nelson Cruz's appeal is heard the first day. Right. Both suspensions get upheld. The Yankees got an extra two months of A-Rod than, than the Rangers did. Like, you can't exactly. do that. So I get what baseball's doing. Push it to 2014. It's so much. It's a huge deal. That's yeah. fine. So from a baseball standpoint, that means these guys are all in play. Um, Cruz, Bartolo Colon, A-Rod, you know, we're all going to be on the field. And as far Braun, as A-Rod goes, yeah, Braun. Like, his team's not going anywhere, yeah. but he's probably the biggest guy yeah. on there. But when we look at these guys who are going to impact the pennant race, um, A-Rod is, is probably is, is, is the biggest question mark. The biggest mm-hmm. X factor, I think, for the Yankees in the second half of the season is A-Rod. Um, if he can come back and have some semblance of competency at third base, it's a huge lift to the team. It's a different team with him in the lineup. They've lacked op- uh, offensive power from the right side of the plate. He's that. That's, that's his one thing. Now, in the minor leagues, he has started slow. But we talk about those benchmarks that Jeter didn't hit. A-Rod's kind of getting there. You know, yeah. he's played in back-to-back games. He had a home run again tonight. He has mm-hmm. two and three games now. Um, he's starting to show a little bit of what you'd want from him. So yeah. we'll see. I mean, there are other reports with him where he's going and, and you know, going to scam himself out and say, I'm not able to play anymore and just get a $100 million check written from the insurance company. I don't think that's how he's going to go. No. I think he's too prideful and too much of an egomaniac to quit baseball at he's 35, not 30, quit. however, 30, 80. He's is. not going to quit baseball. Yeah. That's out of the question. It's his whole life. He yeah. cares about his legacy, and as tainted as it's going to be with the home run thing and the steroid thing and all that, he still wants to go out and say, I went and played as long as I could. Yeah. It's just, he's an egomaniac. He's going to want that. Absolutely. So that's the question for the Yankees. What is A-Rod going to bring? The other guys that are coming back from injury, Cervelli had a setback. His elbow uh, mm-hmm. acted up. It was a stress reaction, which is the precursor to a fracture. We kept pushing it. Um, Jeter, we don't know about. Granderson is still probably next month. Like yeah. after this, like these are guys who are huge impact players for their team. Teixeira, obviously, Teixeira a non-issue now, gone, done for the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of raises the question as to what they do at first base. But we'll talk about you know those potential things of the trades in a little bit. But when we look at A-Rod, he's the guy that can make an immediate and big impact. 
right to the team. And now it's it's just what what can he do? And you kind of just flip a coin in the air and see what he has. But yeah, I mean, listen, all the arguments for him coming back, he's not going to come back and be a Rod that we know. Yeah. Uh, more than likely, he's not hitting fifty home runs or at a fifty home run pace. Right, fine, exactly. Right but you know, it really is just a coin flip. I mean, for all the arguments that okay, can he be uh, an above average third baseman? I look at it and I say probably, yeah, yeah. he can be an above average third baseman in the league. And, but if you sat here and told me, you know what, A Rod's going to hit a buck twenty five for the rest of the season, and he's going to be awful, he's going to have, you know, six home runs and a handful of RBIs, and that's how the rest of this, not going into next year, but just with all the recovery and it's his hip, and that's what he's going to do for the rest of this season. I don't know if I could come up with an argument against that either. Yeah. So it really is a coin flip. You know, the thing with that, though, is that's still probably better than we're getting at third base right now. So why not bring him back? Yeah. Right? Even if he's, you know, batting in the 100s and hitting six home runs, that's probably six more home runs than Alberto, Cruz, Gonzalez, Cayaspo, whoever the hell we're running (laughs) out there is going to hit for us. No, it's true. We might as well run him out there. And I I think there's some upside there, especially if he's starting to show a little bit of power now in the minor leagues. I think so. If he can be double-digit home runs, uh, uh, just a threat in the, in the lineup. These other guys are, are you know, they're the thing guys too. That we're at, running out there. Yeah, at the end of the day, he's A-Rod. Yeah. And before, even coming off of an injury like this, before the league finds out what he can and can't do, he's going to come back to the Yankees, wearing number 13, being A-Rod, and his reputation is going to carry weight. Yeah. They're going to respect him. Right off the jump, because of who he is and because of his quote-unquote legacy. You know, however tainted, he still hit all the home runs. Is he on steroids today or not? Or was he on steroids last year? he is Who knows? We need it. (laughs) Fair point. But, like, who knows? But who cares? Because at that point, he's going to come up. He's probably going to hit fourth or fifth or whatever in the lineup. And teams are going to be like, there's A-Rod. We have to game plan for A-Rod. And, you know, the, the game is extremely mental as well. And A-Rod is one of the smartest ball players you're going to find. Right. So when his approach at the plate is still going to be good. Right. If he can't hit the ball quite as far anymore, he's, he can still hit a double. He can still hit a base hit up the middle, you know. Right. He's still going to go and get ahead on a 3-1 count and know what pitch is coming. Those are things that have a lot of intrinsic value that these replacement level players aren't going to have. So. Right. You see what he can do. You hope he's healthy. And if he's fully healthy, then, you know, he could be a major player for them. But I think the Yankees, the big, you know, it comes down to, is A-Rod going to be healthy? Is Granderson going to be healthy? Is Jeter going to be healthy? If you get yeses on all three of those, then I think you're a playoff team. If you get noes on two of three of those, then you're probably probably not. not. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I mean, listen, there's a lot of second-half questions that we're talking about here with the with the Yankees and as well with the Mets. I, a little different. Yeah. We don't expect the Mets to make the playoffs at this point. We're hoping that the Mets can continue what they've done. They're 17 and 11 in their last 26, which it's is good. which month. is good. That's a good month. Games, yeah. yeah. And and it it hasn't been with smoke and mirrors. Yeah. Obviously their offense still leaves a lot to be desired, but it's been playing a more athletic a more fundamental brand of baseball. The pitching that we thought they were going to have at the beginning of the year, you know, obviously Santana's gone, and actually Markham's now out for the year. So those guys that we thought were going to be a big part of that aren't there, but other guys have really stepped up. 
after a very slow start, G looks like he's healthy and he's got his legs back under him and he's pitching like he's capable of. Harvey, we've talked ad nauseum about him. Now Wheeler is here. You know, he's been a little up, a little down. Listen, he's got four or five starts in the major leagues. It's going to be that way, but he's been a spark, if nothing else. And Jeremy Hefner has been a friggin' revelation. I don't know what else to call him. And, you know, he tweaked something in his delivery, um, I guess, about a month and a half ago when this started happening. You know, he was so bad. Giving up home runs seven runs every outing, just getting blown out, like looking to like lose his job in the rotation, yeah. maybe get sent down. And then he tweaks something with Dan Worthen where he's turning his hip a bit more, yeah. you know, on his delivery. And it's given him a little bit more torque. And what it's given him is an ability to hide the baseball for a split second longer. And it's given him an extra mile or two on his fastball. And Which he figured this out like right before he started against the Yankees, and he struck out like seventy four batters yeah, in that game. That's that would good. be that would yeah, be right around the time. Thanks, Dan. Whatever you name is, <laughs> Worth and Shimer. Appreciate it. But uh, <sighs> you know, I mean, he's a guy who's kind of put himself in a position where was not a big major prospect, yeah. but he's had some success prior to this year. This has been the longest sustainable success he's had. But you know what? If he's living it ninety. 293 sometimes 94 with his change up in his control that's a lot different than living 89 91 sometimes 92 yeah. it's a huge difference especially yep. again if you're hiding the ball so not a huge prospect but he's still under 30 and for a team that's looking to figure out which pieces they can keep and who stays going into next year he's making it difficult for him in a good way and i think that that's something that they need more of. They need yeah. more guys like Hefner to kind of emerge because, listen, they're going to have to make trades. We've talked about that. Um, they're not going to be able to patch all the holes that they have in free agency. It's not financially feasible. It yeah. just isn't. But it seems like they're going to have the pitching, whether it's G and Hefner behind Harvey and Wheeler or you trade some of those guys, you trade Nice, and then they have Syndergaard who's coming and Montero who's coming. seems like they're going to have the pitching. So it's really on Alderson to, to figure out who's going to be here on the offensive side and then make moves to kind of you know fill in the spots because they really should, with this pitching, be better sooner. Yeah. You know, going into next year. And so you, you just need enough hitting. You don't need a ton. You don't need to be the Red Sox or the Yankees right. of the way they've been or the Texas Rangers. If you have that kind of pitching, put up four and a half runs, five runs a game, and you're going to win a lot of them. Yeah. You know, that, yeah. that's all it takes. And in the postseason, we've seen it. You know, good pitching beats good hitting yeah. nine times out of ten. So you're going to have these guys, and they're going to show up. And and you have your star on the offense. You don't need to figure out your identity. David Wright is your captain. He's right. your leader. He's your star. Exactly. Build people around him, and you're going to be in good shape. So yeah. it, it's they're they're in an interesting spot. I think um, you know I'll be curious to see what they do going into the deadline. And I think that kind of bleeds into what we're going to talk about mm-hmm. um, next. Like you know, do they have guys they want to move away? You know, guys that might be able to spin off for some assets. Are they going to look to bring in some assets? Um, you know, I think that's that's part of the next question and the next step of this rebuilding. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so far, I think Sandy's done a great job in each of these spots where he's had that question to bring in assets that are worthwhile. I think so, too. I do. I, that's why I have faith in his plan. I have faith in his knowledge of the game, and I have faith in his 
scouts for you know yeah. just, you know to generalize it completely but um you know the guys that he's brought in have have paid dividends for the most part some of the free agent signings in the bullpen and stuff like that but listen you, you're they were bargain basement shopping yeah. bullpen's you know tough. Bullpen and is bullpen is a crapshoot yeah we know that you know and then a lot of big bullpen acquisitions get made mid-season yeah for a team that's contending right the Mets have not been contending so they're selling off pieces the last couple of years since Sandy's been here they're not adding bullpen arms yeah. Which is something you can do. You get the guy who's hot. You go trade, you know, some, you know, mid to upper level prospect for a team's closer, make him your eighth inning guy and your pen lengthens. Yeah. You know, the Mets haven't been in that position. So to say that he's failed blindly in that is I don't think necessarily fair. Yeah. Because he's been working with some financial handcuffs and again, he hasn't been he hasn't been going after the same pieces Not that other teams stuff. have. Yeah. 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 Listen, I mean, we're going to see what happens. You know, I've got question marks about Davis and, you know, Ruben Tejada. And that's a whole other issue that I could talk about for, for days, which I, I don't even, I don't know. I don't know. about what, it a lot, you know. What, exactly. And I don't even know. Nothing has changed. You know, yeah. in the two and a half weeks that we haven't been here, Davis was gone and has come back and... I don't know. He's not playing better than he's, uh, he's than not. Satin. He's Satan not playing better than <laughs> Satan. <laughs> no, he's not. He's not. So you know, listen. Both teams are going to have to make some moves that help them. You know, not just in the short term, but also going forward. Mets moves might be more of an off-season type of thing yeah. than the trade deadline because I think the impact players that the Mets are looking to deal for are typically not available yeah. at this point in the season. Because they're yeah. not. I mean, you know, the the Marlins. I've been having pipe dreams of John Carlos Stanton, and it may happen and it may not. But I think the he's Marlins... starting to realize he's going to the Yankees. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to pick him up. We need that right-handed bat. You do. Well, listen, both yeah. teams need him. I could see him going to either place. But uh, you know, it's not going to be in season. The Marlins yeah. are not going to trade their best player on July thirty-first. You know, especially in the division. Yeah. Uh, because you can't, you know, even if the Mets give them Syndergaard, who looks like he's going to be, you know, Wheeler 2.0. Yeah. You can't because Syndergaard's not here. He's in double A. The Marlins yeah. are going to trade their best player in season for a pitcher who's in double A that nobody's ever seen before. Nobody's ever even heard of in Florida yeah. and try to sell tickets. That's not going to happen. It's not. It's just not going to happen. So some moves that you'd like to see. Let's start with the moves you'd like to see the Yankees make. I don't know if you're prepared for this kind of question or if you yeah. just want to spitball some ideas, but um, moves that you, best case scenario, not things that you expect to happen, things that you would love on your wish list for the Yankees to make as we approach the trade season. So you look at what they have. If they're going to make a move, they're going to have to deal from their depth, right? They have strength in pitching. You have Michael Pineda. You have uh, Ivan Nova. You have Phil Hughes. You have a lot of guys who have shown you enough that they can be be successful major league starters. Yeah, it's an asset in major league baseball. Teams need pitching, especially in the playoffs. So um, I would think first trying to move somebody um, to bring in a bat, obviously, because that's what the Yankees need, and then you deal from your pitching. So it depends on who has value, right, and what teams are looking for what. Phil Hughes is a free agent at the end of the season. He's going to have a qualifying offer of like $14 million if you want to get a free agent compensation pick. Um, so it's a thought if you're the team bringing him in. If you bring in Hughes, you have to qualify him, and then if he signs that $14 million deal, is he a $14 million pitcher? You know, 
maybe not. He hasn't been. So I don't know if he's going to have that same value on the trade market that maybe somebody else had. I think Ivan Nova is a really intriguing guy. He's pitched really well his last couple times out. He's been up and down in his career, but he's had some like dominant um, parts of his game. Um, you know, when he came out his first year, he started game one of the playoffs that year. Yeah. Um, because CC was off his turn, and he was the guy that gave the ball in game one and game five. Right. Um, and pitched well in game one, got hurt in game five. Right. Um, so he's a guy who has, who has some value intrigue and is not that expensive. So if you're looking at that, if you're looking at those types of things, then what do you want to bring in? Yankee bullpen is, is fantastic. Yankee pitching has is, is been solid all year. You need offense, so ideally right side of the plate, but I think a simple one that makes so much sense, it's stupid it hasn't happened already, is Raul Ibanez. Mariners are out of it completely. Ibanez is a veteran player who can go and contribute to a championship. Apparently likes hitting Yankee Stadium. Yeah. Apparently likes hitting in big spots. Yeah. I was there firsthand, likes hitting in the playoffs. He's a guy you can bring in and, and you can do whatever you want with Hafner, but he can go and take his role. DH, you know, spot in the outfield, which is nice, too. What's the other thing? Abanez can play the outfield yeah. still. I mean, you don't want to run him out there every day, but, you know, if you're facing a right-handed pitcher that Hafner's got good numbers against, you can play them both. Yeah. And it's going to bolster your offense. And, you know, then Hafner doesn't have to hit fourth with his, you know, 220 batting average or whatever he's hitting now. He's abysmal. Yeah. You know, but you can run both of them out there. And just get, get some guys some, some breathers, you know, yeah. give a guy a blow and, and let Hafner run out there, mm-hmm. let, let Abanez run out there, you know, in the field even. You know, you didn't want Hafner going out in the field to play first base because you thought he'd tire himself out or get injured, but when he's not the primary option, you can maybe flex from that a little bit. Right. So I think there's that. If you can bring in a first baseman who's going to be a little bit more productive than Overbay, I'm okay with it. Morneau's another guy, is a free agent at the end of the season, but... You know, he's maybe starting to produce a little bit more. His his OPS is only 730. I he think. has like four home runs. Yeah, it's, it's not He hit more in Yankee Stadium. It's true, right? So you put him in this ballpark, maybe he's more effective. He's certainly a great defensive player. Mm-hmm. Um, so you look into that direction. It's another left-handed guy, which I'm a little shy about if, right. if Granderson's coming back. Um, I think Abanias can be had cheaper. I think he can make a definite impact with the Yankees. And, you know, he, he is not going to wilt under the spotlight. Right, he's been successful you here. Know, you see a guy like Morneau who's played in Minnesota his whole career. You wonder how he handles New York. True. You, know, you don't have to think about that. But then the other thing you look at is uh, right-handed you know, uh, offense. And that's really thin. You know, it's Very not, there's not a big market for right-handed bats. Would you take Michael Young? I would take Michael Young, absolutely, especially yeah. with our needs on the infield. Um, Michael Young is a guy who's played everywhere except first base in his career and then started playing he, first base, too. Yeah, um, yeah. So I, I think he's a great fit. I think you can really put him wherever. Um, and with all the guys you have missing, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, at this point in his career, he can probably only play first or third, Which just range-wise and stuff like that. But, you know, you got Cano, so he's not yeah. going to have to play second. And you're not expecting him to be a shortstop like he was early in his career. Yeah. So... You know, I think Young makes a ton of sense for the Yankees. Yeah. I think he's the guy, you know, is he a huge impact player? Not anymore, but he's a right-handed hitter, like yep. you said. He will give you that first baseman, and he's not going to embarrass himself over there. He can also spell A-Rod at third, which you thought you were going to get when A-Rod came back if you still had Euclid. That yeah. first, third swing guy that can spell either guy plus DH. I mean, all yep. of a sudden, you've got much more depth there. And, I mean, listen, he's one of the most professional hitters I've ever seen in the time that I'm watching baseball, yeah. which is more than I could say for 
half the people the Yankees are running out there right now. So I think Young is a guy that can be had. The weird thing is, is that you don't know what the Phillies are doing. The Phillies are like that team, much like the Yankees, that are getting older, that this year, because of some injuries, specifically to Halliday, they're right on the fringe. And they don't know if they really want to sell guys off or not. We're going to find out in the next two weeks. You know, I think... It's going to be tough with them with the injuries. Uh, you know, Howard, I think, just got you yeah. know, just got hurt. Listen, I hope they sell. The Mets have a series with them starting tomorrow. I yeah. hope they obliterate them and yeah. just knock them out. So you could do us a big favor if you want to sweep the Phillies and make it an easier decision for them to sell. I'd appreciate Listen, that's that. fine. You guys could have Michael Young. I'm yeah. hoping that they trade Chase Utley, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fun. A lot of talk about the Dodgers might be in on Chase Utley. Yeah. Which... I heard this thing about um, Cliff Lee to the Pirates. They're pushing to trade Cliff Lee again. This poor yeah. SOV. Like my God, I, listen. I, to the Yankees years he's, ago. He's getting a ton of money. So how could you ever say that? But it's like you know, he he gets over there. They trade him, and then he's a free agent, and they sign him back, and then they trade him again. Like, oh man, he likes Philadelphia. Just let him stay. <laughs> Remember when he was really bad too? Like yeah. Before he went nuts and yeah. had like a 1.2 ERA. He went down to the minors that year with Cleveland. Yeah. Cleveland sent him down. Nice. They were like, you're terrible. Yeah. Figure this out. And then, and then he had his Jeremy Hefner moment. Then he did yeah. figure it out really well. Really, really, really well. Um, is there anybody else? Uh, uh, names I've seen, like I saw Hunter Pence floated as like a great, it was a great option, but same thing. The team that's on the fringe and might yeah. be trying to go for it and, you know, it's tough to go and sell on that. So, you find out in the next two weeks. I think he'd be another good fit. Guy who crushes left-handed pitching. He's mm-hmm. got, you know, almost a, a thousand OPS from the, you know, against lefties. He's that's, weird as hell, man. He's yeah. the most awkward baseball player he, I've ever he seen. He is an odd-looking, like, awkward dude. Like, yeah. he's, he's the kind of guy who just kind of, like, looks like he hovers over you and, like, <laughs> breathes really heavily. <laughs> you know? When they, uh... Last time he played against the Mets, one of the Met broadcasters is like, uh, "You don't want to have like if if you were teach if you were uh, coaching little league, you would never want to show them a tape of Hunter Pence and be like, this is how you do it.' Yeah. But for some reason, it works for him. And yeah. It is the best way I've ever heard him describe. He's like it. a rich man, Shelly Duncan. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd be down with anything like that. That's clearly what the Yankees need to address. Cashman knows that. I don't think the purse strings are going to be as tight. I think it's just a question of who's available. You know, yeah. I think the Yankees will be willing to spend the money if it's there. Especially, like you said, this year. Yeah. You know, we talked about that before. Now, whether or not they're going to do that whole get under the threshold for next season, it's whatever. Gonna yeah. It's going to be tough to do, especially if they don't make the playoffs this year, whatever. Yeah. But, you know, the, a lot of those guys don't have contracts for next year that you mentioned or big contracts for next year. Abanez yeah. was on a one-year deal, I believe. Morneau was in the last year of his contract. I'm pretty sure Michael Young has money for next year, but it's not big. Right. So, you know, these are all options. Plus, if you're the Yankees, you can probably, if you acquired a guy like Young, you can probably flip him in the offseason if you wanted yeah, to get rid of him. A team's going to take Michael yeah. Young. They still are because he can still hit. Yeah. Another name I saw floated that I loved but is definitely not going to happen is uh, Joe Maurer. Uh, with uh, a huge contract that might be tough for the small market twins to pay. Uh, we really need a catcher. That'd be nice. But, I would um, take Joe Maurer. Yeah. My God. Uh, Joe Maurer is so good. I like his numbers. He's still so good. It's he crazy. would be He would great hitting behind David Wright like they were at the uh, Team USA yeah. the World Baseball yeah, that Classic. That really well. But listen, we got Travis Darno, who, you know, he might play sometime this year. So. That'll be fun. You know, he, maybe he could. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> he had that one little foot injury that was supposed to keep him out till May. How's that coming along? Uh, not good. Uh, not good. Yeah. 
Mets medical staff. <laughs> that was my favorite thing about the Cano injury. They was like, yeah, Cano, you know, x-rays came back negative, but it was the Mets x-rays, so you never know. <laughs> <laughs> I did not hear that. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, no, so just to keep it with the trades really quick, uh, touch on some Mets stuff. Um, again, uh, a lot of the stuff that the Mets and the Yankees looking for, you know, long-term are similar. Yeah. But in the short term, the Yankees are still trying to compete this year, and the Mets... Really aren't. Yankees Let's will buy honest. a Mets will sell. Yeah. I, the Mets are going to sell off pieces if if the right deal is there. Yeah. I think they want to be competitive. I think they'd like to finish better than they have the last two years. I think they'd like to have a strong second half push because a lot of teams can parlay that strong second half into a good year the following year. Yeah. Plus, it's a good faith gesture to the fans. So, I don't think they're going to sell Marlon Bird for... A prospect in Double A that you know is a hit or miss kind of guy. Yeah, you know if a team gets desperate and wants Marlon Bird, Alderson's going to trade Marlon Bird. Yeah. He's not going to get Zach Wheeler back. Marlon Bird's not Beltran. Right. But you know if he can fleece somebody enough that's like, listen, we need right-handed pitching. We'll give you a, you know an outfielder or like whatever speedy outfield guy for center field, something like that. Uh, he's going to make that move. Yeah. Um, but that's something that Met fans will get behind because they know that it's going forward. But it's going to be a guy that we could see right away. You know, yeah. might be in the other team's minors, but maybe he can start for us. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. Um, same thing with Bobby Parnell. I don't think that they should trade Parnell personally. But again, if you get blown away by a package, you would have to. You know, um, I heard before they got, uh, was it Thornton, the, the Red Sox? Yeah, got yeah, Thornton yeah. like a couple that days thing. ago. Um, that they had been kicking the tires on Parnell. And uh, Alderson asked them for Jackie Bradley Jr., which they were like, no, you <laughs> no know, we're not sorry, doing that. Okay. But that's the kind of deal that I would move Parnell that in. Sense, yeah. And that, to me, is not ridiculous because you see the way that these closers get traded in season, like we talked about before. And, you know, listen, a good closer with 15, 20 saves at the All-Star break can net you one top prospect if the team yeah. is desperate enough. So... You know, I don't think they should because I think quality young closers are hard to come by, harder than they've ever been in recent memory. And if you have a guy who's, you know, arbitration eligible and controllable for the next two years, which Parnell is, and you expect to be better next year, I don't think you try to fill a hole and create one because the Mets don't really have an heir apparent closer. They've been hoping that he can be the guy for years, and he's finally emerged as that. I don't think they're quick to It's tough to, to pull the trigger him. on that right away, yeah. Yeah. Other than that, I mean, you know, in the right deal, I would move a guy like Syndergaard. I don't know. You know, obviously the Mets know more about him than I would as a yeah. fan for a double-A player. Um, but it would have to be the right, you know, you're talking... Cargo, you're talking Stanton. It's got to yeah. be a guy like that because that's the type of player the Mets need. You know, and I was listening to the radio today and somebody made a good point. They were like, Alderson needs to have his moment as Mets GM. He's done a good job, yeah. but he needs to make one of those ballsy moves where he does something that's like not a, a high risk, high reward thing, but something where he lays it all out there. Yeah. Like, Keith Hernandez, going and getting Hernandez. This is our Gary Carter moment. Where you go and get a guy who's making a lot of money but is a star. 
yeah. you know, young enough that's going to help you in the future. Like, and you, you send a guy that, you know, like a Syndergaard that, you know, you, you, you don't want to trade this guy because he might be a stud. But you're like, we got Wheeler and we got Harvey and we believe in those two guys so we can part with Syndergaard yeah. and, you know, move him in the right package. And, and he's going to have to do that. And again, it's probably going to be in the offseason, but that's the kind of move that he's going to have to make because he needs somebody that can hit behind David Wright that's going to be, you know, the second star. Yeah. And the player that they mentioned, purely just a wish list kind of thing. Right. But, you know, if the Rockies decided, you know what, he gets hurt a lot, we've decided we're going to keep Cargo and trade Tulowitzki. Like, that kind of sure. thing. Yeah. Where you don't even know that it's going to happen, but all of a sudden he's available and you snatch up a guy like that. Yeah. You know, if the Dodgers are like, hey, look what uh, uh, Puig is doing. Nobody's taking Ethier's contract, and we have Crawford, and we have a guy in the minors that's, you know, an outfielder that's coming up. Yeah. We'll trade Kemp. Right. You know, Kemp's making a ton of money. Tulo's making a ton of money. Yeah. But they're young and they're superstars. If Tulo goes on the market and the Yankees don't make a move for him, I will go crazy. <laughs> well, that's he all is just so perfect. Yeah, he to, is like, fill in for Derek Jeter to be the next guy. Like, it, yeah, it's, not, it's well, not even fun. That's but, totally yes, true. But neither here nor there. Right, but you, you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely. like that's the kind of move that he has to be courageous enough to make. And it's it's the move you have to make when you feel the team is ready to be taken seriously. Right. And they're not like this year. They're still not in that we're going to be taken seriously. But this off season is the time. Right. You're going to have the pitching. You're going to have some of these prospects starting to show you you something. You need to now add that second star. Yeah. You need to add that depth. So I think you're right. And that time is going to be this this winter. Yeah. And, you know, they, like again, they have pieces to move, and they have the ability to showcase some of these guys with some of the other question marks on their major league team. Um, John Neese has been hurt up and down year, obviously, but um, they're going to need a fifth starter soon. And they're yeah. probably going to plug that with some – iffy guys for a while, but now there's talk that if Nice doesn't come back, <clears throat> excuse me, relatively quickly, that, you know, they might have to bring up a guy like Montero, yeah. who's another prospect in their system, a little bit further along than Syndergaard. So you might be auditioning a guy like him, mm-hmm. you know, for another team. Uh, Wilmer Flores, who I think the only reason why they haven't called him up yet is because they don't want to expose him to other teams as maybe a guy without a position or... You know, they don't want him to call him up, and then he's a little overmatched by Major League Pitching. Yeah. The guy's leading the Pacific Coast League in RBIs. He's batting 310, 320, something yeah. like that. You know, he's 21. So, you know, he's a guy that is either going to be part of the Mets' future or they're going to trade him to get an outfielder because he's not fast enough, quite frankly, to play the outfield. Otherwise, he'd be here doing already. that already. Yeah. So, you know, they have some pieces they can move. And, you know, Flores seems like a legit prospect. Syndergaard, Montero. But eventually, you got to use the prospects. If they don't fit for your team, you got to use them to get something. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's tough. You, you hate to send somebody off and then have them be Randy Johnson or something like that. But yeah, it happens. You know, it happens. You got you to make that call. And if you win because of it, then that's it. It's fine. You're it's, vindicated. And it's an important part. You know, they call the Yankees crazy for trading Roberto Kelly for Paul O'Neill. It worked out. You know, yeah. Paul O'Neill was a lefty who couldn't hit lefties. And Paul O'Neill was one of the best Yankees of the, the dynasty era. Yeah. So you yeah. got to make those calls. And Absolutely. You got to do it. spot. So I'm 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 holding out hope for I've I've brought in my wish list from just John Carlos Stanton yep. to maybe to Lewitsky. <laughs> yeah. Maybe Matt Kemp. It's a wish list. But these are all guys that I think a free agent, you know, you yeah, might want to try and make a move for him. Maybe he's might trade him away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I know that that's not going to happen. Uh, no. And I know that a lot of these things probably won't happen. But you know what? You would have never guessed that Keith Hernandez would have become available. Yeah. You know, but he didn't get along with the manager. There were some questionable character issues with the drug use that everybody was doing in the 80s anyway. But, yeah. you know, stuff like that. And the, the old school manager, new school kind of mentality guy. So... You know, these things happen. You know, Tulo yeah. has been a little injury prone. You know, Kemp yeah. has been a little injury prone. They have big deals, but yeah, these are the kind of guys you might want to take a flyer on. I would love Tulowitzki in a heartbeat. That, that guy is so a freak sense. of yeah. nature. Yeah. Having him and David Wright on the left side yeah. of the infield is scary. That's a scary concept. I'd tell you what, Cano would be a great fit for you guys. He would be perfect. Left-handed, power, bad, best second baseman in baseball. It's not going to happen, though, never. clearly. Never. That's never going to happen. One, because he's probably going to resign with the Yankees. Yeah. And even if the he's Yankees better, yeah. even if the Yankees pull Holson, which yeah. might not be the worst thing in the world for the Yankees to yeah. do if he wants some crazy contract. Whatever, yeah. But, um... They'd never let him sign with the Mets. Yeah. They would pay him more money to have him not sign with the Mets. Like, you can imagine, though, if they pooh-holes him, right, and gave him, like, a low-ball offer, and he was just like, screw you, I'm going to go to the Mets. Like, he, you know, if he took it personally. Yeah. If guess, Omar Minaya was still here, Robinson Cano would have a legit chance of coming. Yeah. I don't know if he's, like, a Sandy Terry Collins kind of guy. Uh, I, I would make him my kind of guy if, yeah. if I were the best. I would, I, would force, yeah. I would bend the rules a little bit, let Manny be Manny, win two World Series. Yeah, I, I, listen, I would take him. He's, how, about, how about Miguel Cabrera? Oh, I'd take him on my I, team. I, 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 yeah, no kidding. Have you seen his numbers? Yeah, no, he's oh a freak. My God. He's a freak. He's got a 95, 97 RBIs at the All Star break, batting 360. And him and Chris Davis, it's insane. It's it's ridiculous. I, and Chris Davis mostly with the the power numbers and, and the RBIs are a byproduct of that. And you know, it's the human growth hormone that does it for him. That helps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> allegedly. Yeah. Allegedly, uh, he deleted his Twitter account because of that. I know. It's, I know. Yeah. You know what? If 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 you're innocent though, you can only defend yourself so much before you're like a, you, you know like. A, People are asking him at his locker. It's got to be a constant thing. You don't want to get bombarded on social media. Like. Yeah, but you're a professional athlete. What else are people asking you on social media? It's girls asking you for, like, pictures of yourself and right. you obliging and, like, fans saying stupid things to, like, chirp at you, you know? That's true. Yeah, I mean, you got to be a little thicker skinned than that, yeah. but maybe he's not, you know? Yeah. So. Guilty but, conscience. I'm going to roll with the Brady Anderson theory, but. <laughs> but Miguel Cabrera. Ugh. He is a freak. I can't. Yeah, remember when he was with the Marlins when he came up and he was like really good then, but nobody knew if he'd have a position. He yeah, was like an outfielder and then a first base and third base and all that. And unbelievable. No, like, he has he has changed he it could up. Theoretically, win back to back triple crowns. Yeah, like crazy. No, it's it, it's really ridiculous. Somebody um somebody mentioned today if uh, he would be um if he retired to, like at the end right of the now, season, yeah. would he be a Hall of Famer? And then they they compared his stats to uh, uh, Joe DiMaggio, yeah, and they're actually on par. And he's played at this point two less seasons than Joe DiMaggio. Did. Yeah, they were like Joe DiMaggio's thirteen against Cabrera's current eleven. Yeah, and in some categories he's got him beat, and the ones he's trailing it's like by a handful of things. Yeah. You know, handful of RBIs, handful of runs scored, like that Ugh. kind of thing. Easily attainable numbers if he plays two more years, which yeah. he will. And obviously the offensive side, DiMaggio's a gold glove center fielder. Right. But you know what, I gotta say, I mean, Cabrera is not, uh, you know, he's a heavier guy, but he's, he's pretty good on the balls he gets to. He doesn't yeah. have the best range, but when you hit the ball at him, he's not a clunker. 
He's uh, he's up there in errors. I, I checked out his stats the other day. He's pretty high. I think he's double digits. I think he's really? one of a couple guys with ten. Really? Um, so yeah. Okay, well, I take that back a little yeah. bit. I take but that back. But I've seen him guy, make some plays, though. Yeah. I've seen him make some very good plays, like you know. But you know, I don't watch him every day, nor do you. Yeah. So I'd like to know how many of those errors are on like balls that maybe with his diminished range he should just let go yeah. rather than try for. And and, yeah, that kind of thing. But uh, but yeah, I mean, listen, he's a career three twenty hitter. Yeah. And every year since his first full year in the majors. So, you know, he came up, whatever, yeah. uh, 11 years ago, and had a cup of coffee. But since his first full year, he's had 100 or more RBIs. Oof. And some of that time was with the Marlins, where he was the only guy on the team. Yeah. So I... The guy's a freak. I wonder if I, the Marlins think they won that deal. Um, who did they get for that? They traded Dontrell Willis and Miguel Cabrera... Get Miller? For... Andrew Miller. Andrew Miller and Cameron Maven. It was Maven, yeah. That's what I thought. Cameron Maven is the worst baseball player I've ever watched. <laughs> I swear to God. He's my he's the one player. Remember we were talking a couple weeks ago about the players on our teams that yeah. we ate? And I mentioned Lucas Duda. Yeah. Cameron Maven is the one player in baseball that I hate for no apparent reason. Yeah. I don't <laughs> think that he's as good as anybody says ever. Ever. I've watched him a lot when he was with the Marlins. Strikes out a ton. He has a low baseball IQ. He's supposed to be a good outfielder. Then he has moments where he's like, derp, and he just completely <laughs> spaces out there, like misreads a ball by like 40 feet. <laughs> like, <laughs> or he'll get to a ball and he'll clank off the heel of his glove. Like, more often, you know, than should happen for a guy who was as touted as he was and has the kind of potential that he has. It's, I think he may just be in the league because he was traded for Miguel Cabrera. Probably. Like that's the only reason he plays baseball professionally. I mean, and he's on a team now that's like pretty much starved for offense, you yeah. know, in San Diego. And he's he had that one good year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess it was last year or the year before, and they decided to give him a contract extension. Like, oh, he figured it out. And now I'm not even sure if he's playing every day. Yeah. It's like... And when you're San Diego, you can't afford to make a mistake like that. When no. you sign guys to extensions, you better be right. They, they better work out, yeah. That's fun stuff. Listen, Matt Garza might go to the uh, the Texas Rangers. Oh, Maybe not tonight, but... I need that. Texas yeah. is your, you know, and with, with Oakland. Like, why, why is Oakland so good? I don't understand why I Oakland don't know. is, like, leading that division. But Cespedes? Yeah. And his triple-deck home runs uh, at <laughs> City Field. But... That, that's so difficult about the Yankees. You know, is that obviously they have a tough division. Boston's really good, and, and uh, Tampa Bay and Baltimore are going to be there. But you know, with this wild card thing, you know, we might not even have another wild card come out of the AL East, depending on how things shake out. Absolutely, you know, like two wild cards and the division winner. It's going to be tough with Texas, and if they load up and take that division, then Oakland's in the conversation. So yeah, and you got to watch out for that. Yeah, it, you it's definitely gonna be, do. It's going to be a tough stretch, you know, and. Where I'm at, I'm gonna have to see it from uh, from the outside looking in. I'm gonna be in another country for a couple of weeks. Yeah, that's right. Tom is uh, going across the pond, across yeah. the Atlantic to uh, Ireland for yeah. a couple of weeks. I'm gonna check out, and it's funny too because I remember years ago, you know, when I would go, I'd be there for the trade deadline, and I hear things as they happen. So you always uh, go this time of year, a lot historically. Of time, yeah, like when I was when I was a kid, we'd go. So I remember when the Yankees traded for Denny Nagel. I found <laughs> out when I was over there uh, when the Yankees traded for Armando Benitez. 
that one season. Yeah. I was over there and found out about that, and then they traded him back, I think, like, before, like, they traded for him, like, today, like, around the 18th or 19th, <laughs> and he was gone by the 31st. Yeah, well, it's Benitez. So. Yeah, it's, it's the best way to handle it. So, it'll be, it'll be a nice little throwback while I'm over there, so I'll be able to stay in the loop and find out what's going on um, a little bit better with the internet and all that, but it'll be fun. Yeah, and I, I think with um, with the second wild card, you see that a lot of moves don't happen, and obviously it's only the second year we've yeah. been doing this, but um, a lot of moves don't happen as early yeah. as you know past years, where you would see a lot of moves happen in late June, mm-hmm. early July, because a lot of teams are right in it. You know, even the yeah. Mets are not out of the conversation. They're like eight games back of the second wild card with seventy to play. That's like. It's hard to... It's hard to write yourself off and say there's no shot we can get there. Yeah. Even if we don't think we will, you you can still try for it. Yeah, and then when you're a veteran team like the Phillies, when you're in that same boat, yeah. it's hard to go and sell. And that's why... Well, they almost did it last year. Yeah. When Howard and Utley finally came back at the second half of last year, they made an incredible push at the yeah. end. So if you're a team that knows how to win and has the guys to win, it's tough, but... Um, what I was going to say was you don't see a lot of the earlier trades, yeah. but what you do get is a very exciting, like, five-day period, four-day, yeah. three-day, 11th-hour, like, hour, like last minute, yeah, yeah, flurry of trades, which I think is always cooler anyway. I, yeah. I love the, the two, three days leading up to the 31st because it's some of these things come out of nowhere, and then there's, like, there's always that one, like, creepy mystery team that yeah. like you don't know is involved and they creep in and grab the player and you're like no i wish i would know what that mystery team is like after the fact like a lot of time that never gets published i bet that it's just like you know especially when it's free agent scott boris just like it's the scott boris all-stars you know but i love that like yeah. they were forced to publish like who that other team was gonna be yeah so they have to, go <laughs> and have to like call it out I yeah, I definitely with free agency I think there's a lot of um, you know, agents kind of pumping up their guys and stuff yeah. like that. But every once in a while the mystery team winds up being true. Yeah. I, it happened with Vlad Guerrero. Yeah. I thought the Mets were signing Vlad Guerrero and then all of a sudden the Angels came out of yeah. nowhere and gave him that big deal and it was like where were the Angels? They weren't even in the conversation. I forgot who the other team was, but it was like the Mets and someone. Yeah. Maybe Texas, I don't remember. And then the Angels just yeah, popped him. in. Yeah, he's got to share the same way. He was like yeah. signed, sealed, delivered to the Red Sox, and then uh, by the way, Cashman just got him. Yeah, and we're going to win yeah. the World Series this year. So that was you know even Pujols a little yeah. bit that way. A lot yeah. of people thought foregone conclusion back to St. Louis or maybe maybe Miami with all the money they were spending. They were pushing hard for him. Best decision he ever made was to not go to Miami. By yeah. the way, he'd probably be on the Angels now. Yeah, anyway. exactly. Just <laughs> take a little uh, little vacation down in Miami like everybody else does. But um. But yeah, the Angels kind of swooped in and just grabbed them. Yes. Hamilton, they kind of sat in the weeds on yeah. a little bit. So You know what's fun with free agency? If you ever, uh, and I know you don't, I know a lot of people don't, but soccer, the way soccer does with contracts, they just like, players will outright say, well, I'm going to go play for this team next year. And I, I know I'm under contract with these guys, and I have fans that, you know, are with this team in this summer. Okay. I'm going to go play for the Yankees next year. That's who I want to play for. Okay. And then they just buy them. They don't trade players, they don't do anything. They just say, here's $80 million, we're going to take like this player from you now. Thanks for making him really good, we're going to take him back. Now? And like, they take, like, 
like in season. In season, yeah. Like, so the trade like, will be purely money. It'll yeah. be like a like the Babe Ruth trade, like yeah, all the time. Get That's a Broadway play. Um, <laughs> they have, like they have transfer windows. Like they have times of the year where you can trade players. It's international, right? You have right. like the Spanish league and the you know the English league and all that. You'll just have like you know Cristiano Ronaldo has been rumored to go back to Manchester United for some time now, and it's just like, well, yeah, I really want to play in England again. Like it's nice being in Spain and everything, but I just want to go. Like I really like it over there. Just say it outright to the media. Like, could you imagine if, like, David Wright went to the media and was like, you know, I really, I've always wanted to play in San Francisco. Like, right now. Like, at the trade deadline. He's like, yeah, I just, I love it there. I want to, you know, I want to spend the rest of my career out in California. Like, that would be the end of the world. It would yeah. be the biggest story ever. That's crazy. You know? I didn't know anything about that. This is totally <laughs> news to me. I wish everybody could see the expression on my face. Yeah. I'm, like, shocked. No, that's, that's, that's something else. It's fun. They don't that's mess around That's kind of like the NBA. Yeah, the NBA I think is like the closest a version little of that. A little bit, but even they, that. Like, no, I, I, they don't do that. Yeah, exactly. But at the NBA players will really it's like, like a wink and a nod yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, like oh, I don't know. It'd be great if I could play li- with LeBron next year <laughs> and Chris Bosh. I wish somebody <laughs> could make that happen here in Miami. It'd be weird, but whatever. You know, and they're like, oh, you got your wish, and he's like, I don't even remember saying it, but <laughs> yeah, it happened somehow. Oh my god, it's magic. It's a Christmas miracle. <laughs> No, but um, but yeah. Oh, and real quick, so the the trade is official. The, yeah, uh, the the and KG and uh, Paul Pierce. I didn't even get to say it the last time. My favorite part about this trade is I can now legitimately hate the Brooklyn Nets. You know, I, they they came to the league, and you know, it was like, oh, it's Brooklyn. It's cute. I'm from Queens. They're kind of close. I don't hate them. I hang out in Brooklyn all the time. Uh, Deron Williams, I don't have a problem with. Uh, Chris Humphries is an idiot. Now I hate. Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett more than probably any other players in the NBA. Well, there you go. It's so easy now for me to hate the Nets. Like, it's, it's just, it's a straight, like, this, you know, as much as you want to say, this made it a rivalry for me. Kevin Garnett is a piece of a lot of things that you don't want to say on the air. <laughs> to talk you can about. say it like I did last time. We'll just bleep it out. Yeah. To talk about, like, Carmelo Anthony's wife in front, like, on the court. Like, that was bad. Knock it off. Like, you know, yeah. be, be an adult. Oh, I didn't say anything. Like, Melo freaked out. You said a lot of nasty things you shouldn't have said, yeah. you know? And Paul Pierce is just, he's, he's like, a very bad person. <laughs> um, it's so easy to hate them. Yeah, so I, I, listen, I, great I don't deal. know. And, 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 you know, not, not to take away from the Nets, the Nets, I think, are the most improved team in the mm-hmm. NBA this year. I think they are a legitimate threat to Miami next season. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Threat. I think Miami, depending upon what they do with the rest of this offseason, can still bolster their stock. But they're, you know, they got the crown on their head. They're going to have teams come at them. Yeah. Um, and it's just as hard, you know, to, to repeat, you know, the, the winning three in a row is, is, you know, even more difficult. Winning four in a row becomes more difficult. Right. That's what they're shooting for. Um the Nets are, that's going to be a big threat. Now it's just next year. That's that's pretty much it. After that, right. you know, that's their shot, which I think makes them even more dangerous for Miami. So, yeah, because they're going to go all out. Yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I, and uh, I guess real quick, uh, Victor Cruz, yeah, official, uh, back with the Giants, signed a long term deal, that kind of thing. And yeah, uh, you know, we kind of figured never, that was going to happen. Never you know. real doubt around that. And you know, another one I wanted to mention around football: the controversy, quote unquote, controversy of Geno Smith not going to the Mark Sanchez led quarterback camp out Jets West. Oh my God! That's the uh, best thing he could have done for his career was yeah. not go. Rich Samini. Tebow went last year, right? Yeah, maybe. Who cares? <laughs> Rich Samini was like, yeah. Geno Smith handles the controversy 
But he so he you know he said it was a media creation. Geno Smith went and said, yeah, you know, the media blew it out of proportion. I wasn't going out there. I was doing my own thing. Blah blah blah. And just kind of you know push it aside to the minor story that it really was. And so, I mean, he was like, well, yeah, but Smith really started this because you know he he said that he didn't know yet. He didn't know comment first and didn't say like. No, it was a non-story from the yeah. very beginning. Clearly yeah. the guy who's competing for the job with the quarterback isn't going to go and be the student of the quarterback that he's competing with. First of all, yes, and who would want to be Mark Sanchez's student <laughs> <laughs> as far as quarterbacks go? I don't know, like, I, don't do this, you know, it's like one yeah. of the instructional videos. Do as I say, not as I do kind yeah. of thing. You watch the guy, like, walk around in the safety video, like, setting things on fire, <laughs> and, like, knocking things over. It's like, don't be Phil, he knocks everything over, you know? <laughs> <laughs> All he does is butt fumble and throw picks. Yeah, Don't be Mark. Like, take off his pants with girls and like post <laughs> fine videos. And, uh, whatever. He's such a clown. Anyway, uh, uh, Shine, who does a great job for the, the Jets, you know, the SNY and all that stuff. He said. Um, Geno Smith should should have his own like Jets Midwest like he should have just had his own quarterbacks camp and that, yeah and it's true like obviously it was a bit of exaggeration on his part you yeah. know and to to kind of just pump it up but he he felt the same way that we do and and that's one hundred percent yes create your own identity create your own lane yeah. don't get on the sinking Mark Sanchez Sanchez ship that's yeah. hard to say yeah <laughs> there are a lot of other Sanchez shores that come up to yeah. mind yeah. Uh, but no you don't want to you don't want to get on that why would you yeah. why would you so no kudos Geno Smith just, it's like a non-story like clearly he's not going to go why are we talking about yes. this. And the right thing for him to say at the beginning was no comment. Exactly. You know, or I'm not sure. Like and he actually, what he said was that, like, I didn't even know what that was. You know, right. like, I came to this team that's apparently it's been going on for years. He's not a Jet fan or a Jet beat writer. Not, who the hell knows about Jets West other yeah. than people who watch the Jets in July. That's it. You know, it's it's ridiculous. So, again, I just, it drives me crazy when these guys, like, in the media just go and make it a story, and it's just not there. And that's something that's plagued the Jets. Like, it's been a problem for them. The whole yeah. Tebow thing was blown out of proportion very largely because the Jets did, like, a lot of things they shouldn't have, but even more so because of the media. And yeah. Like that, that, well, ugh. some of those beat writers, you really have to question where their allegiances are. I mean, you don't want a guy to be a complete and total homer, but you can cover it and be objective. You don't have to put fun have to at the team on the other side of it. There's a few guys that do it for the Mets, too. Yeah. And, you know, they, they everything is like tongue-in-cheek. Everything is a crack on the Wilpons. Everything is a crack on how bad they've been or how unlucky they are or how mismanaged. It's like, you know what? I follow you on Twitter because you're in the locker room every day and I want your up-to-the-minute I want to know reporting what's on. on what's yeah. going on. I want the lineups. I want to know who's hurt. I want to know if there's a trade. I want to know if somebody's getting signed. I don't need your attempts at being funny, poking yeah. fun at the Wolpons or Woody Johnson. Like it's 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 unnecessary. Yeah, leave comedy to the professionals like, like those me. that are on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, so I'll leave you with this. Uh, actually, one tip to people who listen: I found out that what you can do on a podcast is there's a button that helps it play at, like, double speed. So when we talk about how we go over every week, really what we should be doing is telling you that if you push this button, like when you're playing the podcast back, it'll play back faster. 
So our voices may get a little funny, but they're funny anyway. Right. But you can listen to it in less time. And that's what I was looking to do, is just have something you can listen to, like, you know, on the train. Um, so even though this is going on for, like, six hours today, because there was a lot to talk about. Well, we, we haven't been it. here, and we won't be here, so we yeah. have to talk. we got to, like, cover it. everything. Um, you can, you know, you can stop and listen as time goes on and over a couple of weeks, if that's what you need to do to, to stem the tide. But uh, there's a button that goes and, like, speeds it up. So you don't even have to, like, you know, take more than a couple of minutes to listen to this entire thing. Um, so good to know. I feel like that's a little like I did light, not know that. Like, so that's good for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to ask. I've been asking like weird questions at the end of these things. Yeah. I think it's and I never fun. have any idea what I don't they're going to be. By you the way. With them. No. So <laughs> I, I based this upon again something else that I heard uh, weeks ago, and it was th- around the idea. The guy, you remember the guy did the tightrope walk? It was on TV. Yes. Um, it was like a whole big thing. They did like you know two and a half hours of like preview, and then like ten minutes of the guy walking or whatever it was. Right. So. The way the question was posed was, you know, is there anything, like, because if he fell, he dies, right? Right, on TV. Yeah. Which is why everybody watches it. Exactly. The hope that there's, like, the NASCAR effect, but... Schottenfreud, right? Yeah. (laughs) That's maybe a little more extreme than than Schottenfreud, but yeah. I hope he dies! Yeah. (laughs) Schottenfreud's like, yeah, I hope the Red Sox lose this week. I hate them. Not, I hope they all die. Yeah. Well, all right, fair. Um, But, may that as it be. Is there anything that you're so confident you're able to do, some skill that you have, that if you did it, you get $2 million, but if you failed, you die? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I, that so is tough. Examples that, that were thrown out there was like, if you went and had to make a free throw out of 10 or out of 100, right? would you feel confident? Like, if you had to go and make one out of 10... Like, people were like, oh, one out of ten, like, I don't know, like, I'm a pretty good basketball player, but with the nerves, I might not, and still ten shots, and it seems like it'd be easy, so that's the idea, right? right? That's the concept. I, like, I couldn't come up with anything really good that I think I could do. I I feel like I can make one out of, like, 30 free throws. With if that, I had kind, that of kind of pressure. pressure on okay. It. Yeah. One out of 30, I could safely, confidently say I could do. No problem, Right. I don't know. Is there anything that jumps to mind that, like, oh, you're really gosh. good at and you just think you could, like... I guess, like, they all go to, like... I mean, it's got to be, like, an obvious win-or-lose scenario. Yeah. Clearly. Like, yeah. it can't be something that, like, you're good at that, like, well, you have to be moderately successful at it and we'll call that a win. Like, you can't yeah. technically win. No, no it, it has to be, be like, like, oh, go up on stage and, like, do your routine and hopefully everybody likes it. Right. Know? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Because yeah. that would be something that I would, you know, I feel pretty confident in. But, um, oh, God, no, I don't think so. Yeah? I don't think so. Do you think if you got three, like, uh, say, three pitches... That you knew a pitch was coming in softball, and it wasn't anything crazy, was it? And you just had to make contact and put it in play. Oh, with that kind of pressure, yeah. I'm not like, sure. Like not crazy velocity, <laughs> not some guy who's like throwing change up. He's like, I'm just I'm gonna throw it like this. You know, you can see the way he's thrown it in. You step up to the plate. You got to put one of the three pitches in play. Softball. Yeah. Softball. Yes. You think you can do it? I don't think I could hit like a fastball though. Like yeah. a, like a like a major like not even a major league fastball, but yeah. like a. You know, I haven't seen anything that fast in, like, years. Yeah. So I don't even think I could hit, like, if you were, like, you have three chances to put in play a 75-mile-an-hour fastball or an 80-mile-an-hour fastball, I don't think I, I think could do that. that's tough anyway. Yeah. You know, round ball, round bat, that whole concept. Yeah. Like, that's that's. I think, I can, I think I can put a lob ball softball in play. Yeah. Yes. 
it's like slow pitch, like high arc softball. Oh like no! Kind of <laughs> it's yeah. not in play. I can yeah. hit those foul for days. <laughs> I don't think I can put one of those in play confidently because I actually I played with a buddy of mine in a high arc league, which is not like the one that we play in. Yeah, uh, it was a co-ed, and you start with a one and one count. Yeah, and then after that, everything that you hit that's not in play is just a strike. Right. So you can, it's like a bunting scenario. You can strike out on a foul ball as long as it doesn't like hit the backstop or hit something else where it's a dead ball. Right. Um, and I panic every time. I have not yet struck. I played with them twice. I have yeah. not yet, like, fouled out, struck out, but, like... Bad to play with a bunch of girls if you're the guy that strikes out. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was pretty afraid. After, like, the first foul ball, I was yeah. like, there's no way that I'm ready to not hit this next pitch foul if it's in this <laughs> So, high arc would be a different story. I think if I got three pitches... And I knew it was coming in, not like, you know, like lob, like not, not hard, not yeah. fast. I like softball BP. Yeah. yeah. Which I is. Could, I could put one of the three in play. I think so too. Yeah. So I would, I would roll with that and I get $2 million. If I die, like that would be a shit. Yeah. Maybe I'll bleep that, but. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's what our lives have come to. Can you hit a slow pitch softball <laughs> one out of three times in play to stay alive? <laughs> I don't Athletic enough, did that slow pitch <laughs> Clearly, some of the guys on our team might not be able to do that. That would explain we our offensive games in yeah. a row. Yeah, um, but be that as it may, may that as it be. <laughs> thank you for joining us. Yes, uh, we have gone a little long, but I don't care. I'm I sure fun. you guys this don't either. Good. Um, I'm gonna enjoy my trip in Ireland. Um, yes, uh, safe travels, and uh, when you get back, we'll we'll talk about that. I don't know. Yeah, you know, point, talk a little bit about your vacation. Why not? It's yeah, a podcast, cool. and then uh, the trades will have happened. Any trades? Yep. You won't be back until like early August. We'll so be like training camp time too. Football. Yeah, we'll be, so like, we right can there. We can really like fire it up. Get a little football, a little baseball, maybe some other stuff. Who knows? Maybe yeah. some vacation photos posted on yeah. Facebook yeah. or something. Do some selfies. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. all right, guys. You know what it is. And I'm John. This has been the New York 20 podcast, which is the New York hour and a half today. But, you know. It's an hour 20 right now. Hey, hour 20. Perfect. That's it. Lock it up. Good night, guys. (laughs) The New York 20 is brought to you by Fashionable Binoculars. How often do you have your huge binoculars cramp your neck and style? With new, thin, fashionable binoculars, you can look great and zoom into those sights you just can't see from a distance.